listening to the Section Five podcast. Welcome back to the Section Five podcast. Where they're getting stuffed in the locker, getting their lunch money taken before school, getting wedgies in the bathroom. The Celtics fought back. They punched back. They hit back against the bully known as the Miami Heat. And they went game three in somewhat dominant fashion, leading wire to wire, finishing the game 117 to 106. Game four is scheduled for Wednesday night, which gives the Celtics a nice little bit of rest after the return of Gordon Hayward, who surprisingly played 30-plus minutes tonight in his first game back in over a month of action. Um, And we needed every single one of those minutes. And we said we would be back here for game three, for better or for worse. And fortunately for us, it's for better. Three-man weave tonight, three-man fast break. I got Adam in box one. I got Trey in box two. And it's good to see you guys under much more favorable circumstances if you're a Celtics fan. And I guess we don't need level-headed reasoning tonight. But I still want to start with Adam. Give me your reaction to what you saw tonight. Me personally, I thought going into this game, it was the most important, the biggest game of the Brad Stevens era given what's at stake, given how close they are to the NBA Finals, given the nature of the bubble, and given what transpired after game two, which was much, you know, the highly publicized beef or argument or almost fight, whatever took place in the locker room. There was the fight, then there was the meeting, then there was the regrouping, and then there was the game. So, Adam, take me through your thoughts, your thoughts on game three and – what this game told you about this Celtics team after all we've seen going into this series? Um, I think I, I saw about, you know, 44, or 48 uh, like hard-fought minutes from the Seas tonight where they just played really, really consistently on both ends of the court where they, you know, on on defense, they – they started to, you know, Miami sets look, started to look a little mucked up during the game. They weren't as comfortable as they were in the first two games where Miami just seemed to have a free-flowing offense where crisp passes, backdoor cuts, you know, easy layups were, were a staple for the first two games um, for, for their offense. But this game, it seemed like, you know, the C's just, you know, they were very aggressive on defense. They weren't fouling. I think the refs did let both teams play a little bit. I think I said that to myself kind of, you know, in the second quarter where there was a couple of sequences where, you know, dudes was making contact with each other. But it seemed like it was just, you know, basketball contact where it wasn't, it wasn't you know, Celtics were going, with, going straight up with their hands up. They were, they were in the passing lane. So I was really encouraged by, the, by the, you know, how, the, how the defense stepped up, stepped up tonight. But um, – and offensively, just you didn't really you saw a lot of assists, but they weren't necessarily from the point guard. Kemba only had two assists, Smart at six, um, but it was Tatum that led led the team in assists with eight to go along with his 
14 boards and 25 points. Um, even though Tatum had 25, I still think that Jalen was kind of the leader offensively tonight. Um, he was really, really aggressive um, from from the gate. <clears throat> and I liked there – was, there was a sequence earlier in the game where he had – I think he had a three-pointer. He kind of up-faked. He took a, a little step in and then he drained a jumper in someone's face. Um, and it just showed right there that he had the confidence to, to play um, to play tonight. And he finished with 25, 7, and 5 with three steals. Um, and I, real quick before we go to Trey, I, I don't want to understate the importance of Gordon Hayward back in the lineup. 31 minutes. Um, it allowed no one else on the bench to get more than nine minutes. It cut a little, you know, even though Tyson was in foul trouble, it cut his minutes a little bit. Um, and you saw Gordon's impact from the first play, pretty much he was in there, where they ran a quick pick and roll, Tice cut, he made a beautiful one-hand pass at Tyson for a dunk. And that play right there showed me that, oh, this is what we've been missing. He's another playmaker, he's a threat to score at all times, and, you know, it was great having him play. It really was, and I've, I've criticized Gordon this season in particular because, you know, he's back, he's 100% healthy, and he's always been known to make the right play. And I can't, you know, do those things that don't show up on the stat sheet. But sometimes out of your max guy, you do want to see things that show up on the stat sheet. But coincidentally, what the Celtics needed to do over the first two games, which they didn't on too many possessions, was make the right play. And Gordon was there as, as a calming steadying presence throughout this game, particularly when you saw Jalen or Jason or Kemba come out the game and you're looking across on the floor, you're like, oh, shit, Gordon Hayward's out there. And it was just really just Gordon Hayward really raises the Celtics floor and ceiling, but particularly raises the Celtics floor and being able to maintain those minutes when, you know, we don't have the full starting five in the game. Um, Trey, you know, one word that sticks out to me, Trey, is intensity. Jalen Brown brought the intensity tonight by going to the basket, getting into the paint. But when I started off the show, I said the Celtics fought back. And fight is a word that you hammered in over and over again after game two. You wanted to see the Celtics fight back. You wanted to see them fight. You wanted to see them scrap. And I'm wondering if you're pleased with what you saw tonight in game three. So, yeah, I am. Uh, they gave us like the ultimate effort tonight. Um, Jalen Brown, like Adam said, he finished with 26 points. Uh, he had three steals. I thought he was kind of the leader of the Celtics on both ends. Um, collectively as a team, they played good defense, but I just felt like Jalen Brown was getting into the passing lanes as was Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward had three steals for a reason. He was playing sneaky defense. Might have looked like Gordon Hayward wasn't paying attention, but he was playing the passing lanes as well. Yeah, and and, and then also Jalen Brown ended up elbowing Duncan Robinson. Um, I wish he would have got his money's worth a little bit more on that one. But it ended up being a, a technical foul. I mean, not a technical foul, a flagrant foul, sorry. Flagrant one. Then you also saw 
you know, Jay Crowder kind of pushed Jalen Brown away because Jalen Brown kind of was like in his face a little bit. Nothing serious. But yeah, I like the fight that they gave us tonight. They went after the 50-50 balls. They hustled. And and they made Miami feel their presence. So Miami can't come into game four uh, feeling feeling great about themselves like they did after games one and two. So they, I'd say that they, they took back some of that confidence that Miami has. Yeah, I agree. And at first, that Jalen Brown elbow to to Duncan Robinson looked very inadvertent. But in the back of my mind, I think Jalen Brown really wanted to deliver that elbow. And he did it in a way where he didn't make eye contact with, with Duncan Robinson. He never looked down at him. He was always looking up as if he was trying to pass the ball. And you could feel how close Duncan, like Duncan Robinson was up in his jersey. And Jalen Brown kind of brought the right elbow over. Duncan, Brown, Duncan Robinson, you know, made him whiff. And then he came with that left elbow. And I'm not saying necessarily it was intentional, but it seemed as if Jalen Brown was perfectly fine if, with uh, Duncan Robinson's face getting in the way of that elbow. Not to mention, Southish literally drew blood a little bit. Goran Dragic had a bloody lip at one I point in the third that. quarter, I think it was. Um, which was a good sign to see. And those 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 deflections into the backcourt that led to fast breaks that always went Miami's way in the first two games, you saw a ton of those plays, particularly from Jalen Brown poking the ball away and those guys getting out and running. Um, and it was good. It was it was really good to see the Celtics did fight back. They did fight back. I don't want to call Miami the schoolyard bully, but they did they were the tougher team toughness is what i was looking for tonight and toughness is what i got um but about about last night though if we could talk about that for one or two minutes because when we not well not last night two nights ago now right thursday night about thursday night though when we were on the air the news started to break of yelling and screaming from the Celtics locker room but as the night went on more and more information came out where Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart had to be separated. I was so pleased to hear that some screaming from the locker room was the voice of Brad Stevens. It, it ended up leading into a 1 a.m. meeting between Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Marcus, and Coach. And then I think it even went further the next day with Kemba Walker organizing a phone call between Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Maybe not all in that order, but basically those were the events. And so much was made of this, what do I call this, this incident in the locker room to the point where some people, Gary Washburn, said that the team was imploding, that the team was imploding. Some people, I can't say his name, said the series was over. And... I'm of the firm belief that you really, you really don't know what you got in somebody until you've been in the trenches with them and had some sort of disagreement with them, and you see how you bounce back from that. And it was a positive thing for the Celtics to, for the Celtics to do that. So, Adam, I want your take on Thursday night, the fight, the regrouping, and how that impacted the game. And then on the flip side. It almost seemed like Jimmy Butler 
was disconnected from the team tonight. I don't I don't know what it was, but it did seem like the bully the bully got punched in the face and he kind of just shook his head and 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 licked his wounds, but didn't necessarily hit back tonight. So I don't know if those two things are related, but I want to get your thoughts on both of those. Yeah, so about, you know, the after the after game incident where, you know, they had a little blow up in the locker room. That's, I mean, you got a bunch of young, hungry basketball players that want to win and that they haven't, this is the farthest they've ever been in their careers. They're trying to get to that next level. And if guys is, if guys are quiet and not really saying anything while they're in the, after a loss, like, especially after two losses like that, then there's a problem. Guys just then you figure then guys just want to go home. Um, but I I don't have any issue with guys screaming at each other in the locker room after losses like that. Especially when the series could be, you know, one more one more inconsistent game and the series could be basically over. So and that the after the after hours meeting um in whatever hotel they're at, that's that's a sign of, you know, we wanted Brad Stevens to bring this team together. I think that was one of the things we said after our last pod, you know, who's going to bring this team together? I said Brad Stevens, and that's a case of him bringing the leaders of this team together and just squashing whatever negativity that, that happened to come out of it and just, you know, bring out a positive in it. And you could tell that all four of those guys brought it tonight on both ends of the court. Um, they were all aggressive. They were all assertive. They played with pace and purpose, which is what Stevens wants. So I think those two, those two, are, they carried over to the game. And you saw that not only, you know, for them, but anyone that was out there tonight was playing hard and playing with purpose. And that, that's all you want from this team. If we, hope, if we played 48 minutes of it, it probably would have been like a 20-point, 20 25-point win tonight. But – and – Real quick about Butler, like, it was – he has – that's – I think that's the difference in Jimmy Butler being what you consider a superstar as opposed to just, like, you know, a regular all-star where he has times where he disappears in games where he isn't aggressive where you could stop a Jimmy Butler from going off. He doesn't shoot the three well. He's an okay, you know, penetrator. He, he usually gets his – he usually gets his stuff when guys are running – letting him run on one-on-one and let him get to the hoop. And if you stop Jimmy Butler from getting to the hoop, you know, good things are going to happen. I, it, was a, it was curious to see him miss the last few minutes of the game tonight where, you know, you figure the, the leader of your team is going to be out there trying to, trying to lead you guys back. But, you know, I don't know if he was injured or just supposed to have deemed him ineffective against what the Seas were doing. I just wanted to get another shooter out there. I'm extremely happy being – even, you know, we're down 2-1. But as Tim Legler said on the post game, that we've been up 101 of the 149 minutes of this series. So I'm feeling very confident going into, going into game four Wednesday. And as Jalen Brown said after the game, the game doesn't start Wednesday. The game starts now. So that quote right there is just, I wish the game was in an hour. Like... <laughs> Let's fucking go. For real. And that, that quote needs to be up on the whiteboard, up on the blackboard, yeah. up on everywhere. Like, the game starts now. The game does not start on Wednesday. It starts now. And 
I just want to say that it was so great seeing Dragic with that bloody mouth. No matter how we got it. I was like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like he was he was getting <laughs> dudes was running him over all night. And I was I was for all of it. I was That's the cost of getting in people's space. Yeah. Going Dragic tonight, twenty-eight minutes, eleven points, two for ten from the field, one for five from three, minus twenty-nine. He did not like plus the, minus. I think also Marcus Smart took a lot of that responsibility tonight where even the, when there were picks, he was going over the picks. He was making sure he was staying on Goran Dragic and in his back pocket. Yeah, and say what you will about Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, but Goran Dragic is kind of the head of the snake. Lots of the offense, or lots of those pick and rolls, the dribble handoffs, lots of that is initiated by Goran Dragic. And if you limit him, now credit to Miami, one of their strengths is First read, second read, third read, staying with the system, running their shit. But at the same time, if the Celtics sort of cut the head off of that snake, really get in Goran Dragic's head, be physical with him, you see how it can disrupt Miami's offense. And going back to Wednesday night a little bit, Trey, after the game, my girl, Abby Chin, sort of asked Jason Tatum, you know, what he takes from or what he could share about what happened after game two. And he said that it was probably blown out of proportion. Draymond Green, as much as I hate Draymond Green, he's actually a pretty good analyst over there on TVNT. I guess relative to, to Shaq and Charles Barkley, he, he's, a, he's a pretty good analyst. But he did say after that game that, that good teams fight. Good teams have altercations. The bad teams don't. You know, the bad teams are one, two, three, Cancun. Let's get out of here. I got my check. I see you at the club later or something like that. Um, and then Jason Tatum responds, Trey, with perhaps, in my opinion, his most complete game of the playoffs. Anytime that Jason Tatum, third-team All-NBA, All-Star, pretty boy, um, just – the, you know, the young, the young gunner leads the team in assists. It has to make his teammates feel energized that he's moving the ball around, passing the ball, getting everyone involved, a.k.a. the team's running their shit. So can you speak to how well Jason Tatum played tonight? And at the same time, Trey, on top of how Jason Tatum played tonight, I do think that initial outburst from Marcus Smart the other night, even though the the headline is Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart got into this altercation, I feel like Marcus might have been coming at Jason Tatum because where the Celtics struggled was at the end of quarters and closing out games. And almost in all of those instances, Jason Tatum had the ball. And when they weren't running the offense, it was a Jason Tatum dunk or Jason Tatum mid-range or Jason Tatum 30.3 uh, sorry 30 foot three-point shot and I think some of that frustration that Marcus felt was aimed at Jason I said Jason Tatum needs to get a little bit dirty tonight need to get a little bit more physical and that play where he basically threw Jay Crowder out the club <laughs> that was sort of indicative of that so overall just sort of give me your take on how you saw Jason Tatum's game tonight sort of in perspective of the aftermath of game one, games one and two, where, you know, he could have been the hero. He ended up being the goal. 
So yeah, I think it's I think it's quite possible that what happened after game two um kind of influenced what happened in game three as far as Jason Tatum. I mean, I know that he said he wanted to be more aggressive on the boards. Um pretty much all the ser- the Philly series and um definitely the Toronto series. Uh he was he was getting double digit rebounds. Uh so tonight he had fourteen. Uh when he's aggressive on the boards, he makes good things happen. He he gets the board and then he he's able to start the fast break where he can pass it off to Kemba and they can get their offense going early on in the shot clock. He had eight assists tonight. Um, he didn't have to force anything offensively. Uh, he shot the ball 20 times. It was nine, four, 20, um, two for seven for, from three. And he got to the line five times, made all five of his free throws. Um, the guy that got to the line even more was Marcus Smart. He got to the line 10 times. Um, and that's what you're going to need in the playoffs. You're going to need guys to get to the line, earn free throws. Um, and those two really impacted the game with that, like that tonight. Um, <clears throat> I noticed a few matchups. I noticed Jason. Um, Jason Tatum was still kind of guarding Jimmy Butler. And I noticed more Jalen Brown on Bam Adebayo. Um, Also, it seems as though the Celtics favored the small ball lineup with Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward uh, with Tice was in foul trouble, uh, but I think that we would have gravitated towards that lineup regardless. Um, I just think it's the best closing lineup. Uh, so I noticed that in the last three minutes, Brad went to that lineup. Um, and at then, one point, at one point, it even forced uh, Spo to take Bam Adebayo out the game. With that small ball lineup that the Celtics put in there. And um, Gordon Hayward, 30 minutes tonight, like like we mentioned earlier, and perhaps the biggest news that came out of the game, Rachel Nichols reporting that Gordon Hayward having a couple of weeks back in, I guess, Indiana with his family. We all, It's been well well reported that his wife is expecting their fourth child Gordon Hayward was fully expected to leave the Orlando bubble to be there. And Rachel Nichols reporting that Gordon Hayward's back for the long haul. As long as the Celtics advance, as long as the Celtics are still playing basketball, Gordon Hayward will be in Orlando. And I think, I think we owe it to sort of discuss Gordon Hayward on this pod for a few moments because he has an opportunity to totally rewrite his entire career in Boston. I said on the last podcast, and I said it sort of off the record between the three or four of us before that, that after this second ankle injury, Gordon Hayward could not leave the bubble for the birth of his child. 
I know if Mark was on here, the first thing he's going to say is, oh, well, it's his job and, and whatever the case may be. This is not your normal nine to five. This isn't your, you know, I'm banging out sick this morning. This isn't, you know, personal day, hour lunch um, type of job. And given the fact that the Celtics are back in the Eastern Conference Finals, that Gordon Hayward has basically been a non-participant in their, in their last two playoff runs, if he has the opportunity to be back and help this, help this team who has been scratching and clawing without him for four or five weeks, and then he leaves the bubble, as much as it would be, I don't want to say politically incorrect, but as much as it would be unbecoming to, to criticize him from that, the reality is you're healthy, your team needs you, and you're not there. And I'm certain that this was his wife's decision. I'm certain his wife said, listen, I need you to go out there and bust some ass. We'll be all right over here. So Gordon Hayward, back in the bubble, back for his first game. He has three or four days to see how that ankle responds to playing 30 minutes. And the whole series shifted in, in one night. And that's why I couldn't re-overact to the, to the 0-2 deficit. Now it's a 2-1 series. And if the Celtics come back and win – when game four, all the pressure's back on Miami. How big, Adam, is the presence of Gordon Hayward in this series going forward? And what, what could this mean for his – it's early to say this word, but his, his legacy in Boston in a Celtics uniform? I think Gordon in this series is he's, – he's a series changer. You know, you've seen when – like I mentioned, that first play when he came in the game, just that he knows what to do. He's another ball handler. It's another veteran player that that we just we could throw out there. And it just makes everyone else's job so much easier when Gordon Hayward is out there. Because if you play basketball the right way, if you cut, Gordon's going to find you. And even after that pass, he had a – I think he got Crowder on him, and he just kind of took him to the middle of the court and hit a – you know, I think it was a medium-range jumper. And those are the kind of plays that we've been missing from guys, just that, you know, assertiveness, that they know exactly what they're going to do. And it was great. It was so great to see Gordon out there, and especially on the defensive end where he was in the right place. And his steals, I can think of at least two of his steals led to just easy, uncontested, fast-break layups. Um, and he, it's just his presence is invaluable. And if, you know – if he's a major contributor to us winning a championship in Boston, that, that completely changes the Gordon Hayward story in Boston. It's kind of like, you know, I know we, this is a basketball pod, but, you know, J.D. Drew. Everyone hated J.D. Drew when he was a Red Sox, except for that year he won a championship. And then we all just was like, all right, well, we paid him that much money to win one championship. Cool. He wasn't that bad. So I think it would be similar to that, like a J.D. Drew type of thing where – you know, we overpaid a guy for 80% of his contract, but that one year he was there for us, we got a banner out of it. So I think all would be forgotten if, you know, we win 18 because Hayward's a big part of that. You remember J.D. Drew's nickname? Nancy? Nancy. <laughs> Nancy Drew was one of them, but the other one was D.L. Drew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because he was never available. He yep. was always hurt. 
It wasn't about his talent. It wasn't that he was a bad signing. It was just that he was always hurt. But in that, that and that's a great analogy, man. I, I didn't even think of that. But when it counted, when we needed him mm-hmm. to win the World Series, JD Drew delivered and all was forgiven. And I'm just, I'm really hoping, I'm hoping for that so badly for Gordon Hayward. Like, yeah. nothing would make me happier to see Gordon Hayward be like the finals MVP or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my eyebrows just, if you guys just saw, my eyebrows just almost went through my do-rag because um, I guess they interviewed Coach Spo after the game, and he said that he went away from Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala at the end of the game because he wanted something quick. We wanted something quick. That, that's interesting. And Trey, it's good to sort of see the rhetorical questions, you know, throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks, being on the other foot. Because as I sort of tweeted during the game, I think, Miami hasn't had any adversity this offseason. They've been cruising. Jimmy Butler's been brewing his coffee. Miami runs on Duncan. Tyler Harrell's just out there enjoying the NBA. Jay Crowder's shooting wide open threes and the cheeks ain't really been tight on that end of the floor. But now there's some questions that are going to start being raised on that. And, and what I just saw and what I just read to you from coach Spo is, is, is very telling because Jimmy Butler was non-existent when the game was on the line tonight. Um, so feel free to address that aspect of the Miami heat, but also tell me sort of, what what maybe we can expect from Gordon Hayward going forward? And thank you, NBA, because the NBA could have easily made game game four on Tuesday night. I don't know if that would have conflicted with anything. I knew they weren't going to do Monday night, but for some reason it got pushed back to Wednesday night, and that just really puts that just that favors the Celtics. So so. Let's let's get back to you, Trey, about Gordon Hayward and sort of the the drama, the juicy drama that we're hoping for to finally be thrown the Miami Heat's way. So first, I want to address the situation with Spo, uh, what he said about Jimmy Butler after the game. Um, I just think he's kind of alluding to Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson being able to kind of shoot them back into the game. We saw them kind of like make a three, cut it down to like 10 at some point. Um, So they have the power to shoot them right back into a game where I think he's just saying that Jimmy can't get that quick bucket. Jimmy's not going to, he's not going to go for that type of shot and nor is it necessarily a good shot. So he chose to go away from those two guys towards the end of that game. Um, And then just moving on to Trey, Trey, before you move on, um, one, one more quotable for, for Jimmy from Jimmy for you. Um, Jimmy, we've never given up, but I, I think it gets old playing from behind consistently, especially with a great team like Boston and what they bring to the table. We didn't do anything that we said we were going to do tonight. That's another quotable from Jimmy Butler. Give me your reaction to that. So he's calling out his teammates, including himself tonight. Um, same thing you heard from the Celtics. You know, they didn't play hard enough. Um, 
So they got punched in the mouth. I think Jimmy's feeling that punch in the mouth. And that's his way of calling out his teammates um, to say to show up for game four. Interesting. Uh, I'd love to hear that. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great. Um, and then just shifting on to Hayward, um, I think the way this series has, has been playing out, the narrative is set up for him perfectly. Um, if the Celtics don't win those, don't lose those first two games, and we're sitting up 3-0 right now, I think the impact of Hayward wouldn't be talked about as much. Or if we were 2-1, and one, I don't think the impact of Hayward would be talked about as, as much. Um, but the fact that we were already down 0-2 and we desperately needed a win in game three, and then here comes Gordon Hayward. He's, he's back. He didn't have to have a big scoring night, but those five rebounds, those four assists, those three steals, you know, those six points, those were just enough to make us feel like we were getting something off the bench. And we didn't have to, you know, have Brad want to make a play 25 minutes. So it's, it's good to see. And I think legacy-wise, he's going to get credit for whatever happens going forward. Uh, he's going to be part of that. Uh, more so than I think he would have been had we won those first two games or at least split them. Um, now it's going to be like, you know, they won game three, then they won game four. You know, let's say we, let's say the Celtics win four straight. That's all going to be attributed to Hayward's return. Um, and I think that's going to be good for him going forward. Yeah, it, it will. Um, Stash Gordon coming back to save the day. Uh, and it's just Adam and I in particular, you know, we pride ourselves because we feel like we've been to a ton of big games. We've watched a ton of big games. You know, we've been, you know, we've all been been fans of just sport for a long time, whether it's basketball, baseball, football. And I would like to think that we don't approach every game as a season. Trey and, and Mark sort of alluded to Adam beginning the, the last part on sort of a positive note, but I don't even think Adam was being positive. I think it was just more perspective. Like it's the playoffs. It's going to be hard. There's going to be blown, blown leads. There's going to be losses. You know, the Celtics aren't going to play perfect. Trey, you likened it to 2K, but it's not necessarily 2K. The fatigue's on. There's a human element to all this. And it's just good to know that perhaps the, the story wasn't written yet. And, you know, we're hoping maybe it's one of the greatest stories ever told. And and if Gordon Hayward is is the the uh, – the hero in that story, that that would just be that would just be complete validation for him, and it also it almost goes back to full circle about this 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 series is gonna give validation to either Danny Ainge or Pat Riley, and Gordon Hayward just threw his name right in the middle of all that shit. Um, I guess a couple of loose ends to tie up before we wrap this pot up. Grant Tennessee Williams, that's his new nickname. Adam said he he was it was good seeing Tennessee Williams, and I said that's just a perfect nickname for this dude. Sounds like an old old dude in the South drinking whiskey or some shit. But I was gonna say Tennessee whiskey Williams. Yeah, Grant Tennessee whiskey Williams, the old volunteer, um, came in, gave the Celtics some good minutes. He was a minus eleven in the plus minus, uh, but 
he did give some some he he made his presence felt to Bam Adebayo. And if you're the C's, it's funny how in the NBA in 2020, the majority of big men don't roll anymore. Everyone pops. Pick and pop, pick and pop. Bam Adebayo does not pop. All he does is roll. All he does is roll every single time. And bringing up my man Draymond Green again, he suggested putting Grant Williams in there and Daniel Tice's place to sort of avoid that BAM roll. And even though, you know, the box score maybe not tell the impact that Grant Williams had, he hit a big three, he had a couple of rebounds, you know, he gave us some shit when we needed it. So let's just show a little bit of love to our boy Grant Williams and his impact on the game. And Adam, since you coined since you coined the phrase Tennessee Williams, you you have a go at it. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't even the three that got me to say that. It was when I think it was Tatum. Or I forgot who threw him the ball down down the post, and he just gave Bam that that one shoulder to the chest. Bam just Bam Bam was just dislodged from the paint, mm-hmm. and Grant Williams had an easy layup, and that just got me. You know, that's why I was excited that the Celtics drafted Grant Williams because that's the player he was in college when he was back to the basket triple threat or put the guy on his put the guy on his ass and just take him to the hoop. And he did exactly that to Bam Adebayo. And, and it was great to see that. And it was good to see him play aggressively on, on the defensive end. It seemed like he earned all four of his fouls that, you know, none of his, I think the first one, it, it, it kept them from scoring a bucket, but all of his other fouls kind of, you know, he made the other guys feel him. And, that's what when you're in there for that kind of a role. When we play nine minutes, you get four fouls. That that's kind of those are the kind of fouls you want to give. And just real quick, outside of Grant, that I I just I I loved how the Celtics just attacked the, their zone, and guys just took it right to the middle of it. They were they don't have even though Bam had you know one of the greatest blocks that we've ever seen on on Tatum. Not just the greatest blocks, but the timing of it was you know you you couldn't time it any better. But I don't think the Celtics fear him too much as a shot blocker because I saw Jalen taking it straight to the hoop. I saw Kemba taking it straight to the hoop. Tatum went right at Bam, you know, and I think Bam might have blocked one of his, but Tatum had a tough finish at the, in the third quarter with Bam all over him. So I love that. And hopefully in the, you know, with Gordon back, he'll take the majority of those bench minutes. Or it'll be interesting to see if, if Stevens might even throw him in the starting lineup um, Wednesday, if he's feeling right. But even with with either with him or Smart coming off the bench, it'll be good to see those guys that that we don't want to play too much, only get like less than ten minutes a game, like they did tonight. But I don't think Grant has missed a three from the corner this playoffs. If he has, it hasn't been too many of them because he's been money from that corner. Yeah, he's been on fire. Um... And I'm glad you raised the prospect of Gordon Hayward coming off of the bench or starting in game four. It seemed like Gordon Hayward was just what we needed off of the bench today. And listen, it's the NBA. I think the NBA players are probably the most high maintenance of athletes. Um, I think the absence of fans takes a, a little bit away from the the prestige of being in the starting lineup 
hearing your name called, getting introduced, coming out, doing your daps or whatever it is. There's a little bit of continuity with those with those five that have been starting, especially after the, you know, the aftermath of the altercation and them coming back together. And it was good to see Marcus and Jalen having a little bit of a two man game going on. So I, I would kind of expect Gordon Hayward to come off the bench for the duration of this series. Unless, you know, unless the seas go down three, one, and then, you know, it's do or die and you put them back in there and then crossing our fingers, we see, we meet the Lakers in the finals. You know, you're probably going to make some adjustments at that point. Um, but we, we do, we do have to discuss one more thing before we end this pod. With six minutes and two seconds left in the game, Jalen Brown has a layup that puts the Celtics up 102 to 83. It's a 19 point game with six minutes left in the game. Adam, you said that, you know, the Celtics played a good, you know, 40 minutes or so tonight. They played a hard 42 minutes. Actually, I'll say 42 minutes and then the last minute or so. But there was a five-minute stretch with a lead. Went from 19 to, I believe, five in five minutes. And that's why it's so important what Jalen Brown said about game four starts now. They, I was so encouraged at the end of the first quarter and the second quarter when the Celtics did not settle for winding down the clock, iso ball. They kept running their offense in, in, a, in, in, in typical Celtics fashion. They went away from that a little bit in the end of the fourth quarter. Luckily in this one, the cushion was wide enough where it didn't cost them the game. But if there's one thing you know about this Miami team, they can put up a six or nine point run like that. Particularly with Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson's ability to hit the three and Tyler Harrell's willingness to take the three. Those can be game changers. And I really wanted to punch my TV or punch somebody when, when that when that lead sort of dwindled down to five. Yet and still, it was good to see the Celtics sort of finish it off. Trey, you talked about Marcus Smart's free throws, and I think six or eight of those came in the last minute of the game. Um, so is, is, is that last sort of five minutes of the game a concern from you? Are you, are you? are you concerned that this trend sort of reared its head again at the end of this game? Or, or it, was it the final wake-up call that they needed that says, hey, we still haven't played 48 minutes. We need 48 minutes, and we need that in game four. And we have a little bit of rest to rest up and get ready to go. So I was I was encouraged tonight. Uh, they ran their shit tonight. Debo. Um, yeah, they they ran their shit tonight. And when you run your shit and you have a lead, that allows you to make a couple of mistakes. You don't have to execute every possession, but you need to execute uh, more than half of those possessions in order to keep that lead up. And you need to play good defense. Uh, so that's kind of what they did. And I was going to ask you if during that lead that they kind of blew, you said it was like 19 and ended up being 10. If five. Jimmy Butler, five, was Jimmy Butler in or was he on the bench during that? Because mm. I know it had to do with Tyler Harrow or Duncan Robinson. So For the most part, it was Bam, Duncan Robinson, 
Tyler Harrell, a couple of free throws mixed in. Um, right, and a lot of what Bam does is um, like directly related to what Drogic does because they're running the pick and roll together. So it's like Jimmy's the only guy who's not really involved. He's usually that high assist guy, and Bam's kind of taking that over, and Drogic's taking that over. And so it's like there's not really much for him to do on the offensive end. He's not really a three-point shooter. So he's just yeah, kind of left being the market smart. Yeah, no steals for Jimmy Butler tonight. One personal foul. He did have two blocks, uh, but he seemed almost invisible for the majority of the game. He seemed somewhat disinterested at the end of the game. And it's going to be interesting to see, finally, and I don't want to count game four against the Bucks. You know, the Bucks did win in overtime without Giannis, but I wouldn't I wouldn't consider that a punch in the face or a punch in the mouth for that team. And and finally they got it. And we'll see how they respond. And it's a whole new series now. Uh, you can't rest on being up 2-0 and all the momentum is with the Celtics right now because if Miami loses this next game and now you have a tie, you know, you have a 2-2 tie series, the whole narrative is going to start shifting. It's going to start turning back against Miami. What can they do? How can they defend the Celtics? The Celtics have more talent. You know, what happened to the camaraderie? What happened to Jimmy Butler, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's the beauty of sports. Uh, and like I said before, you get on that roller coaster, you strap that buckle on, you start going up, you know, you get to the top of the roller coaster, you can see the whole park, and then you just go from there. And you just hope that when you get off of that ride that you had a good time and you're not puking. Um, and and that's where we are. I think we're like, I don't know, y'all been to Six Flags? Where you been? Six Flags, Canopy Lake, Disney? Was the Superman ride? I don't know, you guys been on the Superman ride at um, Six Flags? Nah. No? Oh my God. Well, I don't know. I don't even know if they, they have the Superman anymore, but one of those rides, we're on the first, you know, we had the first dip. The first dip is like the steep one where you're like, holy shit. And then after that, you know, the, the ups and downs get a little bit, you know, the impact of those up and downs, ups and downs are a little bit less because you went through the first major dip. And that's where we are on this ride, um, known as the Celtics 2019-2020 Celtics. Um, I just want to one oh, thing. Trey, go ahead, go ahead, Trey. I want to add one thing about Grant Williams. Yep. Um, on one of the last pods, I was talking about how I kind of would like to play Tice a little bit less. Mm -hmm. um, and tonight he did only have was it twenty twenty four minutes tonight. Um, twenty four minutes. Now, it wasn't really Grant Williams who who stepped in and took those. He only ended up with nine. It was really Gordon Hayward because we got to go to the small ball lineup. But just seeing Grant Williams in there playing the way he did, it just lets you know that we can kind of rely on him more to keep fresh legs on the court at all times. So he can be an extension of what Tice gives us. Um, like when we had Al Horford, Tice was an extension of what Al Horford gave us. I think that we're grooming Grant to do a little bit of what Horford did um, and to be able to play in small ball lineups. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Adam, is there anything that we haven't really touched on that you 
you want you want to get in there before we before we land this podcast? I hate Tyler Hero. <laughs> I read, I read, like he's one of the, you know he got. Don't get me wrong. If my unbiased fan tells you know is is here also that says that you know he's a great player. He he has. I think you said quote to quote you. He has balls. Mm-hmm. He's, he's willing to take a big shot no matter where the shot is. But he kept them in the game tonight. Yeah, without his performance in the first half and in the third quarter, like he he definitely kept them in the game. And while I, while I do hate Talahero, I do also want to commend the Celtics for it seemed like it was part of their game plan to attack Duncan Robinson on the defensive end. Oh yeah, and with him in the game, he is a minus on the defensive end. So he. Jalen took advantage of that. Smart took advantage of that. I think Kemba took a couple of times where he drove right at him and he couldn't do anything about it. And I did, and I do like how, how our guards, you know, went at the the two or three guys that Miami had on the top of that zone that are usually the forwards. How they went right at them, and Kemba was unafraid to take it to the hoop. It was great to see that, and I hope that we could, because you know, Spoel's going to throw some wrinkles in Game Four, but. We kind of dominate them when they're in the half court set when they're playing man, and if we could fi- if we figured out the zone tonight, then is there is there anything else that Spoke can throw at us that that Nick Nurse and him together haven't? I think if they, I think if they aggressively trap our guards consistently, that it might cause us a little problems because of their length up top, and if Kemba and Smart, you know, have the ball where. Um, you know, it might it might make the passes harder for them to make. You know, kind of throw that in there a little bit. But I like the C's chances, and like you said, if the C's come out there look look like we did tonight, take Game Four on Wednesday, Miami's gonna look like they they they're kind of struggling. They're gonna be struggling to find out what what they could do on both ends, because the longer this playoff series is, you know, I'm sure at this point both teams know each other's plays when the coach calls. Whatever code name they have for a play out, everyone on the court knows what, what the hell's about to happen. So now this is where the talent's gonna take over instead of really the coaching execution part of it. So I'm hoping that our talent takes over because that's been the common theme that everyone's saying so far after at least the first two games where the Celtics are have the most talent, but the Heat were the better team. But tonight show, shows that we could be not only the more talented team, but also the better team. Right. And then after a performance like that, you start to say, well, the Celtics actually had double digit leads mm-hmm. in both games. They've led the series for 101 minutes. You know, Miami's made all the plays where it counted, but the Celtics have mostly dominated the series for the majority of those three games. And you think that maybe doubt may start creeping in with the Miami Heat, but that's yet to be seen. Um, Trey, you got any sort of. Anything that you want to cover that we didn't already speak of? Uh, so when we did the preview heading into the series, we talked about Goran Dragic, And I mentioned how I didn't think that he was going to have as much of an impact as he did in the Indiana series and then in the Milwaukee series where he pretty much abused both teams in the pick and roll. Um, so game one, of course he did. He had his way with the Celtics. Um, and then game two, the, the Heat won. And he had a big three-point shot. Um, and then game three, it seems as though the Celtics finally 
decided to put Marcus Smart on him, and they decided that they weren't going to let him abuse them in the pick and roll. He finished the game with 11 points and was two for 10. So you just need to keep on doing that. And tonight, Tyler Hero was the the beneficiary, it seemed like. And that's why Adam hated him, still hates him. Yeah, and I would like to think that that was not necessarily a Brad Stevens call. I would like to think that Marcus Smart said, listen, I'm not Giannis. I'm guarding Dragic. And Marcus Smart called his own number and sort of made that impact on the game. Um, from Miami, like, you know, you would expect Butler to be the, the one that runs that offense, but that's been the opposite. When you look at the stat sheet, it, it seems as though that's exactly what happened. Like, Marcus Smart just looked and said, Dragic scored 29 points that first game. He had a good game the second game. Like, I got to put a stop to this. And, and Tyler Hero, now he ended up with 22. So we don't have two Marcus Smarts, but, hey, we won the game. Right. And so I guess one or two things that I want to point out, one that made me smile, Jay Crowder, Kelly Olenek, two for 16 combined from the field, two for 14 from three-point range. And that was kind of a bitch-ass move that Jay Crowder pulled. Like, Jalen Brown wasn't even really paying attention to him. And Crowder went down and stood up. And maybe he tried to, like, motivate himself by getting in Jalen Brown's face. But that was, like, kind of fake, fake tough guy shit. But it was nice to see those guys who have been killing us with timely three-point shots really be non-factors in this game. And then on the other end, my boy Kemba Walker. We haven't really brought his name up tonight, but maybe for the first time in this series, four Celtics all scored 20 or more points. Kemba Walker, 21 points, shooting 50% from the field, eight for 16 from from uh, eight for 16 from the field, four for eight from three-point range, six rebounds, two assists. Two assists? Yep, two assists. Yeah, two assists, you know, which in a vacuum you want more from your point guard, but if that means Jason Tatum's getting eight assists, Right. Jalen Brown's getting five assists, and Gordon Hayward's back too. I think. Gordon, I mean, I mean that's that's about it. All that adds up to what it adds up to Celtics basketball. And maybe maybe Debo wasn't in the stands tonight, but but the Celtics were running their shit. And and as a fan, you know, you you go into your Sunday, and you get to sort of watch, you get to watch two other fan bases sweat it out for a change. And we can enjoy some football tomorrow. So go Pats. Um, Pats at Seattle. Super Cam. Killer Cam. Killer Cam. Um, well, that 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 wraps it up. Uh, we said we would be here for better or for worse. It was for better. Mark, slacker, in the Jimmy Butler role. Didn't, didn't show up tonight, but no. Shout out to Mark. Thank God he was wrong about the series being over as we all knew he was. Uh, but I'm sure he'll be back with us on game four, particularly if the Celtics lose. Um, but but good win for the Celtics. Grit and balls tonight. Shades of an Ubuntu. And, and you know, if Jalen Brown has it his way, they'll be back tomorrow prepping, getting ready for game four. So thanks for listening. Make sure you guys check us out on all major platforms. And the ride continues. We'll check you guys after game four.
Go Beat the heat. Oh, see, Adam's Go Seas is a little bit more enthusiastic tonight. I don't got to edit it out. 